Hi, you're listening to the Sermon Podcast of Impact Church in Fredericksburg, Virginia. I'm Pastor Brandon, the church planter and lead pastor. We are a new church in the D.C. area that is centered on the gospel and sent to our neighborhoods, Northern Virginia, and the nations. Please visit our website at www.impactfxbg.church. There, you'll find our current meeting times and locations. Our prayer is that you are encouraged by the message you hear today and fall more in love with Jesus and others. Thanks for listening. Hey, um, I am so excited to be with you guys this morning and get a chance to continue in our uh, message series as we are teaching through the book of Philippians. And so uh, if you have a Bible with you this morning, um, or if you, this is your first time to church, or maybe your first time to church in a while, and you want to follow along uh, in the Bible, but you didn't bring one, that's okay. Uh, you can use your cell phone. So uh, you can pull your phone or tablet out, and uh, uh, there's apps for everything, right? And so I use an app for the Bible called Version, Y-O-U Version, and you can feel free to download that uh, even while I'm talking and, uh, and follow along in the book of Philippians with us. So Philippians in the New Testament, and uh, uh, we are going to be in chapter 3 today, and I won't tell you exactly what verse yet, but you can go ahead and turn to Philippians chapter 3, because there's a couple of things I want to chat about before we dive into God's Word this morning that I'm uh, so excited about. So I don't know if you noticed, but uh, it seems to me, especially since COVID started, that we have um, uh, maybe begun celebrating Christmas a little sooner and a little sooner and a little sooner and pretty soon like Christmas in July is going to be a legit thing like I give it about to no stop clapping all right stop <laughs> clapping uh, this is so I just want to see what kind of church I'm pastoring today how many of you already have your Christmas tree up yeah okay yeah it's the front row people all right yeah it's always the front row people at church how many of you have plans to put your tree up before Thanksgiving okay all right, we're a, we're a pretty divided church on that. We need to pray. We're, I'm going to call us to a season of fasting and prayer. How many of you have read the Bible and you're going to put your Christmas tree up after Thanksgiving? Okay, just, just checking, making sure. All right, just kidding. Christmas trees aren't in the Bible, but uh, yeah, I wonder why he left that out. Um, I, I just, uh, man, but I want to tell you, like, as we're getting ready for Christmas, I know um, that we do have Thanksgiving coming up. But I wanted to share with you guys some really exciting things uh, that are going to be happening in the life of our new church. Now, if you're just joining us, our church is right at a year old. So we're, we're only a well, one-year-old church and a brand new church here in Fredericksburg. So we're still figuring out, like, we don't have a ton of traditions. Like, when it comes to Christmas, uh, a lot of churches, like, literally, they have a Christmas closet, okay? So when it comes time for Christmas, the weekend after, they just go open the closet, pull everything out of the closet, people come to the church, they do a big thing, they decorate, they already know, okay, we're going to do this then, this then, because they've been doing it for 60 years, 100 years, some churches around here, 150 years, and uh, they've been doing it for a while. Us, uh, we have no tradition, we're just kind of like, so Christmas, it's coming, it's coming, what, coming, what day is it on this year? The 25th, that's right, we got, we got to figure that out, and so, uh, so this year I'm really excited, and I wanted to let you guys in a little bit on what we're doing for Christmas this year. You guys want to hear a little bit? All right. Um, so here's, uh, first of all, I think I have a slide for that. Did we get, yeah, uh, Christmas. No, 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 that's Christmas Eve. I'm not there yet. Just Christmas, everybody. That's great. Um, so uh, this year, as we celebrate Christmas, our theme is going to be for all people. Um, and when he talks about uh, uh, good tidings of great joy for all people. And uh, we want to be a church that exists for all the nations, for all people. And you say, well, Brandon, does that mean you guys take a lot of mission trips? Well, we do. Uh, we call them our global outreach trips, but not just that. Guys, the nations are actually right here in Fredericksburg. Like there are people from so many different nations and languages, tribes and tongues, and we want to be a church for all people. Listen to me, because Jesus is a savior for all people, okay? And so we believe that. So our theme for Christmas this year is we're going to be praying for the nations. We're going to be giving to the nations. We're going to be asking God to send us to the nations, not just abroad, but right here in in the Fredericksburg area. And so, uh, so this year we're going to be celebrating Christmas for all people. Isn't that awesome? So I'm so excited about that. Let me tell you a few things that are going to be going on for Christmas. And I think I've got a slide that's got a few dates on it. Um, nope, that's Christmas Eve. Yep, there we go, Christmas. All right. <laughs> well, we've, we only got two slides left, so we're doing good. All right. 
Um, hey, I want to let you guys know, first, we are going to have a Christmas Eve service. And I'm really excited about this. Um, this year, Christmas Eve is on the 24th, all right? So you can mark your calendars. It's a joke because it's always on the 20th. You get it? Okay, all right, all right. Um, and so uh, that joke's going to last me the rest of the year, right? Okay, just making sure. Um, hey, uh, so we're going to be having a Christmas Eve service. And uh, then on December 25th, it lands on a Sunday this year. And um, listen, a lot of churches are going to do a lot of different things. I've already talked to some pastors. They're going to just take off. They're just going to do Christmas Eve and uh, leave Christmas Day. But um, I, I have a strong conviction that Christmas is literally for Christians. Like, like Christmas is literally for the church. Like, like, like we can celebrate uh, the, the winter holiday in many different ways. But when it comes to Christmas, we own that. Okay, like that's, that's ours. And so we are going to have a Christmas Day service right here at Cornerstone, but it's going to be really chill, okay? It's going to be later. It's going to be at 11 instead of 1030. Can I get an amen? And we're gonna, it's going to be later to sleep in, bring the kids in their PJs, like bring your own coffee, hot chocolate, bring your breakfast. I don't care. Like just come hang out with us and we're just going to have a short service, um, a time just to sing some Christmas carols and a time to hear uh, the reading of the Christmas story straight from God's word. So it's going to be a really awesome time. Uh, so if you're in town, we'd love to have you uh, come and just make that a part of your worship, all right? But then January 1st, we don't own New Year, so we're taking that day off, all right? Um, yeah, yeah. Listen, uh, so New Year's Day, uh, we are going to just be online, okay? Um, a lot of that has to do with we're a portable church, so we kind of got get the building when we can get the building, and we kind of do things like that. And so this is a great time uh, for us to say, hey, if you're traveling, if you're going out, like do that, spend time with family, uh, rest. Um, it's been a long year of planting a church, and uh, so take a day, rest, reflect on God's goodness, and then uh, turn on uh, YouTube and check out our online service. All right. Uh, so that'll kind of be that'll kind of be our Christmas gift. Isn't that so awesome? So I'm so excited about that. But I want to talk a little bit about Christmas Eve. So now you can Christmas Eve. Yeah, there it is. There it is. And so uh, Christmas Eve is going to be awesome. Uh, but I want to tell you guys a little bit about it. So on Christmas Eve, uh, December 24th, we are going to have a Christmas Eve service. And it's not going to be here because, again, we can't, we don't have access to the building. So God has provided. And let me tell you something. When I say God's provided, I counted like 25 no's of people that we asked, can we do Christmas Eve here? No. Can we do Christmas Eve here? No. Can I do Christmas Eve in your parking lot? No. Can we do Christmas? Like, it was just no, a lot of no's. And then finally, someone who had previously told us no changed their mind and told us yes. So we're going to have Christmas Eve service at the Courtyard Marriott in downtown Fredericksburg. So I'm so excited about that. It's going to be really great. And uh, it's going to be a great hotel. We'll have, uh, it's, it's at the hotel that's connected to uh, Italian Station Coffee Shop right off of Caroline Street in downtown Fredericksburg. So come down. Uh, the service is going to be at 5. It'll be a short service. So come, worship with us, get your heart ready for Christmas, and then go spend time with friends and family. Now, here's, here's my ask of you, okay? Here's the reason that I'm telling you this now and not after Thanksgiving. The reason is because I want to ask you to do two things for us. Number one, I want to ask you to come. Now, I realize we're in a transient area. I realize we have a lot of young professionals, college students who may not be in town because you might be back home for the holidays. I realize that. But I just want to ask you, if it's at all possible for you to be here, that you would come and celebrate Christmas as a church family. And if you don't have family in the area, I want you to know that you got a family now. And the church is your family. And we can love you and be with you and drink hot chocolate with you and uh, do gifts with you and hang out with you. So I just want you to know you're not alone, okay? And I would love for you to put it on your calendar and make plans, if at all possible, to be with us. Um, the second thing I want to ask you to do is to not just be here, but to invite other people to come along with you, okay? Um, it goes like this. Hey, uh, we're doing this at church. Uh, I'm going. My family's going. I'm going with some friends would you like to come with me? And we're going to give you guys invite cards and all that stuff. But here's the reason why. We are not playing a numbers game, okay? I do not care about numbers. Like, it does not matter to me. It is not about numbers. It is about names, okay? 
It is about names that belong to people who are real people who have real souls who Jesus really died for. And those are the people like during the Christmas season that might hear the gospel and turn to Jesus for the first time in their lives. And that's what we want to see in Fredericksburg. Amen. So that's what we want to be about. So uh, anyway, that's Christmas at Impact. Let's give the Lord some praise. Let's praise him for that. It's going to be awesome. All right, you'll hear more about that later, but uh, man, I'm ready to preach. You guys, you guys ready to open up God's Word? All right, Philippians chapter 3, and uh, if you're just joining us uh, today, we've been in the book of Philippians. Now we're a little over halfway through the book of Philippians, so feel free to go check out the podcast, and you can catch up on uh, previous sermons uh, for the book, but I'm really excited. But uh, we're just going to be jumping in here, uh, Philippians chapter 3, just to give you a little background. Uh, a guy named Paul, everybody say Paul. A guy named Paul was an apostle. He wrote a letter to a church that was in a town called Philippi that was in Macedonia, which is part of the heart of the Roman Empire. And there's this small house church of people, definitely smaller than who's here today, that met in a, in a small house of believers. And among the people in the church we read about in Acts 16 was a formerly demon-possessed teenage girl. Um, a group of women uh, who uh, were worshiping by the river one day, but didn't know who they were worshiping, and they heard the gospel and believed in Jesus. Um, a lady named Lydia and her entire household uh, who got saved. And so that's kind of some of the people. Oh, and a jailer, a guy who used to lock Christians up and persecute them in jail. Uh, he got saved, and he's in the church. And so that's kind of the, the wide variety. So if you're here today and you go, I just feel so out of place. First of all, I hope seeing Andrew and Marie in their Christmas sweaters made you feel a little bit, a little bit better, a little bit more at home, all right? Um, I don't know if you guys noticed, but Andrew is wearing uh, red and green socks as well. I got a good view of those, really awesome. Now, put your foot down, Andrew, okay? <laughs> You've knocked somebody out with that thing, you're so tall. Okay, so the, the thing is, like, um, uh, what was I talking about? That, he, that dude put his foot in the air, and I'm out. I, I hope that you feel at home. And, and if that didn't make you feel at home, listen to the type of people that were at the church at Philippi and, and realize, man, the church is for people like that, okay? The church is not for people who have it all together. The church is for people who said, man, my life was a mess, and then Jesus found me and saved me, and some days my life is still a mess, but I got Jesus in the mess, all right? And that's who the church is for. And so that's a little background of who this letter was written to so that you kind of understand. All right, Philippians chapter 3, let's start in verse 12. Um, I want to let you know you got some uh, cards on your seats that you probably picked up and shuffled to the end of the row. Now you can ask the person at the end of the row to pass those back out. There's a place for you to take notes. You can use a phone or a tablet, or you can write them down, and that's just something to help you out. All right? Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 12. If you're there, say, I'm there. I'm there. Great news. Here we go. Um, Paul says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. And we're going to stop right there. I'm going to share a little bit about this, but I want you to look back at verse 16 with me. And uh, if you're able to underline or highlight in your Bible or take notes, I want you to write that verse down. It says, only let us hold true to what we have attained. And so, guys, today we're going to be hearing from Paul and, and, Mo and from God himself, from God's word, about what does it look like to hold on to Jesus? What does it look like to not give up? Man, you ever felt like giving up before? I mean, there's all sorts of things we feel like giving up, right? And, uh, and so I just know like we're in, a, we're in a time right now where I feel like the last couple of years, everybody has had to press reset on their life, right? Like reset, am I in the career that I want to be in? We've got a thing going on in our country right now called the great resignation where everybody's like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. I don't know, should I do this? Or what about this career? Should I try that? And, and, and we're wondering about our careers. We're wondering about relationships. Man, I don't know. I was cooped up in the house for two years with this person. I don't know if we're the right fit anymore. 
anymore, and I don't know, and, and starting to figure things out about like uh, relationships, and, and there's just so much right now. People are doing that with the church, right? Like, oh, I don't know if I need church anymore, or I don't like that my church did this, or church did that, and we're quitting that, and, and some people are even doing that with Jesus himself, and going, man, I'm not sure I'm down with Jesus anymore. I'm not sure what that means, and so, guys, we are living in a culture right now where there's a lot of consideration about quitting things. And I don't mean quit in a bad way, okay? Because I know that sounds pretty harsh. Everybody's like, I'm not a quitter. But maybe we'll use the word stop, okay? That, that we're just in a mode of stopping things, ceasing things. And we didn't mean to stop forever, but now we're almost three years through a pandemic and we're starting to wonder, well, am I going to go back and pick that up? And so, guys, Paul is writing to a church, a group of people who, like, He's getting reports, and they're like, Paul, we're loving Jesus, but man, it's getting hard out here. Like, these people hate us, man. Like, they're killing us and persecuting us, and they, it's hard to follow Jesus. And Paul's like, yeah, I know, but you can't give up. Like, like the secret to following Jesus is just keep following Jesus. Like, like don't give up because he's worth it. And so that's going to be kind of our theme of what we talk about um, today. So I want to go uh, uh, up to verse 12. So let's go back up to verse 12. Um, let me read that again, kind of explain it a little bit to you, because it, it kind of sounds a little weird. In verse 12, he says, Not that I have already obtained this, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. I want you to understand it. Perfection is not necessary to follow Jesus. Perfection is not necessary to follow Jesus. Look at what Paul says. Paul says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect. Okay? So like, like this is an apostle. This is Paul. This is the dude who started the church. And he's writing to them and he's going, man, I don't know. I don't have all my stuff together. I, I like, I'm not perfect, but I'm, I'm working towards that. Like I'm, I am following Jesus. So let me tell you, like there's a lot of people who come to church and you feel out of place because you feel like everybody else's life is perfect except yours. And I just want to let you in on a little secret about church. Ain't nobody's life perfect, okay? And it starts with me. And like, let me tell you something, like this church will never be perfect. It'll never be perfect. And the main reason for that is because I'm a pastor here and I'm not perfect, all right? So like, uh, that's not going to happen. Listen, the goal is not for you to be perfect um, right now. The goal is not for you to wait to follow Jesus until you're perfect or to wait to get baptized until you're perfect. Listen, the goal is to fall in love with a perfect Savior. And that's Jesus, the Lord. I, I want you to remember this. What Paul is admitting is Paul is admitting that he did nothing to save himself. That he did, he's not perfect. God didn't look down and go, hey, Paul's living a pretty good life. God doesn't look at me and go, Brandon, that dude started a church. I really love him. I'm going to save him. Like he's got a lot of potential. You know, I see a lot in him. Like God didn't do that. No, God saved us when we were at our worst. So what Paul says is like, um, man, I want you to think about like the Thanksgiving table. And I don't know what like some of your favorite Thanksgiving foods are. Uh, I'm just kidding. Everybody knows it's uh, sweet potato casserole. And so like, I don't know what your favorite foods are, but I want you to imagine like just a table full of, of food for Thanksgiving. I want you to imagine like you are invited into the house and you brought nothing with you, like nothing. And like for a lot of us, that would make us feel really awkward. Like we would, ne we would, we would rather sit at our house by ourselves and eat ravioli out of a can than show up to somebody's house without something on Thanksgiving, right? But see, guys, the way that God's table works is that you can't bring anything to Thanksgiving because the table's already been prepared. The table's already full. And like you bring nothing to it. Like, and if you did, God would do like the hospitable thing and he would be like, oh, thank you so much. I'm just going to put this back here and we'll get to it later, you know? Because what God has prepared, listen to me, is already perfect. It's already full. It's already complete. And Paul knew that. And so what it did is it took pressure off of Paul. And Paul was like, I don't have to be perfect because what Jesus has done for me is already perfect. So I just keep trying to get to know him. In other words, I just pull a seat up at the table and enjoy him. And that's all Jesus asks of us, guys. 
Like Jesus is not asking you to prepare the best dish, to dress the nicest, to do the best that you can. Like Jesus is just asking you to pull up a seat and enjoy the feast that he has already prepared for us. So Paul says, I'm not perfect, but he says, listen, I'm pressing on. He says, like, I'm, I'm pressing on to pursue Christ. And so what we learn about our relationship with Jesus is that it is a pursuit, not passive. Like our relationship with Jesus is a pursuit, not passive. It's not something you go, yeah, I'm a, I, I, I'm a Christian. Like, yeah, I'd consider myself a Christian. And then you just do whatever you want. He says, no, 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 following Jesus is something I pursue. Like it's something I'm, I am like in love with Jesus and I'm following him the best I know how. Like I'm not just letting it happen. I, I am like truly intentionally following Jesus. And, and I want you to hear like when Paul says, I do that, but I make Jesus my own. Look at what he says in verse 12, because Jesus made me his own. Isn't that amazing? Like, listen to the intimacy there. Guys, listen, following Jesus and being a Christian is not about doing the religious thing. Following Jesus and being a Christian is about having a close relationship with God the Father. That's what it's about. Like, our goal as Christians is not to live a religiously perfect life. It is not to always have our stuff together. The goal of a Christian, every Christian, is to pursue closeness, relationship with God. And guys, Jesus is the only one who makes that possible for us. But listen, we don't make Jesus our own because we're good enough. Like, you don't carry the banner of Jesus and go, I'm a Christian because you were good enough. You carry the banner of Christ because Jesus found you first. Like in this little game we play of like, should I be a Christian or what does it mean to be a Christian? In this little game that we're playing, like Jesus goes first and Jesus wins. Like that's how he pursues us. This is what having a relationship with God means. So I wanted to set that foundation for you so that we can kind of read the rest of this passage. I promise we're not going to spend that long on every verse, but I want you to understand. So if you're taking notes from this point forward, there's two things I want to share with you. Okay. Two things. And number one, if you're writing notes, write this down. We don't give up. We don't give up because we have a goal to work towards. We don't give up because we have a goal to work towards. You ever feel that way at school or at work? where you're like, I'm not sure what to do. Like, I'm not sure what I'm doing. And so it's just easy to go do something else, right? Because you feel like, I don't, I'm not really sure what is expected of me or what I'm supposed to be doing. And so I'm just going to like, yeah, I don't know what to do. But guys, God, like he gives us a goal for us to work towards. Uh, go back up and read verses 13 and 14 with me. In Philippians 3, 13, it says, um, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, I forget what lies behind me and I strain forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And I love this because Paul is giving us an example of how we should be working towards the goal. Um, guys, we strive for the goal of, of, of knowing Christ. So, like, that is our goal, okay? Our goal is to know Jesus more. Um, and listen, I, I just feel like I was thinking about this this week, and I was like, man, you know what's interesting is it's really easy to be a leader in the church. Like, it's really easy to be a leader in the church and forget to be a Christian, like, it's really easy because we just start to treat the church like it's just another organization. Like, oh, yeah, I run, a, I run a team up at the Pentagon. I run a team at church. Like, that's just what I do. Like, it's really easy to go, I, I own my own business, and I own my own little corner of the church, and I do this, and I do that. Like, it's really easy. It's really easy as a church plant for everybody to be doing stuff, and we're setting up banners, and we're doing this, and we're doing that. It's really easy to do that, and sometimes we get so caught up in the work that comes with following Jesus that we forget to just be a Jesus follower, like to just 
be a Christian. And that's what Paul is getting at, is he's like, listen, keep your eyes on the prize. Like, stay with the goal, okay? The goal is not to have a huge church. The goal is not to have a lot of money. The goal is not to do all of this stuff. Listen to me. The goal is to know Jesus as closely and as personally as you can. And that, listen, is not a one-day pursuit. That is a lifetime pursuit. And in fact, not just a lifetime on this earth, but you get an eternity in heaven too. And that's why Jesus didn't make heaven just for six billion years. That'd be a long time. We'd all be really old, okay? That'd be a long time. But Jesus said, you need more than six billion years to get to know me. You need an eternity because that's how beautiful I am, how splendid I am, how majestic I am, how powerful and amazing that I am. And so what Paul did is Paul, as uh, on a popular TV show, maybe we could say is Paul had the memory of a goldfish, right? Paul had the memory of a goldfish. Paul was like, man, you know, goldfish have like the shortest attention spans and memories, I guess. I don't know, according to TV. I, I've not, I did not research that or Google it at all, so this is not authoritative. But Paul had such a short memory that Paul was like, man, I just forget what's behind me. And why could Paul do that? Because I'll be honest with you, I've got screw-ups in my life that are really hard to forget. Like people have forgiven me for them and I've tried to forgive myself. But listen, I've done things in my life like that are really hard for me to forget. Things have happened to me in my life that are really hard to forget. So do you know what helps us forget these things of our past? We remind ourselves that God has forgotten the things of our past. And God didn't just do that because he's irresponsible. God didn't do that because he's not a just God. God did that because he assumed the punishment of Jesus on the cross for us. And when Jesus was punished for us, God said, it's finished. It's done. The punishment for every wrong thing, every way you've disobeyed me is forgiven, wiped out, cleaned up. And so Paul says, man, we forget the past. And for those of us who have done bad things, that's really good news, isn't it? The fact that like whatever you did last night, if you ask God to forgive you, he will forgive you and forget it. That's amazing. Like we have to work harder at forgetting our sin than God does. That's how powerful the blood of Jesus is. But we don't just need to forget our past sins and our bad decisions. Some of us need to forget our good old days. Like some of us need to forget. We've convinced ourselves because of something we did 20 years ago or because of something we did five years ago, that we are this awesome Christian that's really close to God. And the fact is, some of us haven't grown since then. Some of us have not grown one iota of intimacy with the Lord in 20 years, because we are still living in the past. We are still living in that one moment 20 years ago. Brother, sister, listen to me. There is more of Jesus for you today. So forget even the good old days and press forward to the better old days, all right? And let's get there because with Jesus, listen, the best is always yet to come. So Paul says, man, strain forward, keep going, keep moving. And then in verse 14, he says this really weird thing. He says, um, he starts to talk about like, there's a goal that we're working towards and then there's a prize. And let me just say real quick, like I read that and I was like, there's a prize? Like, this is awesome. Like, who wouldn't want to follow Jesus? There's a prize. It's like a daily happy meal. Like, it's, it's the best thing ever. Like, I love this, right? Like, there is a prize. Um, which, by the way, for all of my 80s and 90s babies, did you guys see where McDonald's came out with, they did the bu Halloween bucket thing again? Anybody see that? No, you don't care? Okay, we'll talk about it later. doesn't matter. I'm, I mean, I'm trying to preach. Okay, listen. Okay. I wanted to just show you, though, here's the, here's the weird thing. Paul doesn't tell us what the prize is. It's so, so jacked up. I'm like, Paul, how are you going to do that, man? How are you going to like dangle in front of us like there's a prize and not tell us what it is? Because somebody tells you like, hey, come to church, there'll be a prize. What's your first question? What's the prize? I'll let you know if I'm coming or not. Like, you know, like what is the prize? And so he doesn't tell us, but 
praise God, the Bible actually has a lot to say about this. And so I'm not going to ask you to flip there. Here's what I'm going to do right now. I am just going to read a few Bible verses to you. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to remember, like, we don't give up following Jesus because we have a goal to work towards. So if you're here today and you're thinking about giving up, if you're here today and you're not sure Jesus is with you, if you're here today and you're thinking like, dude, I might just be done with this. Like, if you're here today, I want to tell you, don't give up because when we follow Jesus, we're working towards something. Like, things don't have to be stagnant. Like, we got a goal to work towards. I want you to listen to what the Bible says about the prize that awaits us. So I'm just going to read these. So I want you to just listen to God's word. This is not Brandon. This is not some points that I've come up with. I am reading directly from the word of God right now. Listen, Luke chapter 19, verse 17. And Jesus said to him, well done, good servant. Because you have been faithful in very little, you shall have authority over 10 cities. What Jesus is saying there is stay faithful, stay loyal, don't give up. Because if you're faithful with just this much, God will give you more. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. Listen to 1 Thessalonians 4.17. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. 2 Timothy 4.8 says, Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will personally award to me on that day. And not only to me, but to all who have loved his appearing. 1 Peter 5.4 says, and when the chief shepherd appears, that's Jesus, you will receive an unfading crown of glory. Revelation 7.14 says, I said to him, sir, you know, and he said to me, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. I just want you to hear, if you will just hold on, and not just hold on, but, but hold on with what little strength you have and let Jesus carry you the rest of the way. If you will cling with all of the might that you have, even if it's small, if you will just cling to Jesus, there is a great reward coming. Like there is, Jesus is our reward. Like he is not just our savior, but he is our reward. Like we got to stop just seeing Jesus as an old historical figure that died on a cross to forgive us of bad. Like, yes, he does forgive us of bad. But listen to me, he is more than that. For a person following Jesus, he is also our reward. It's not about getting the crown. It's the one who will look you in the eyes and personally hand you the crown. Jesus is worth it, church. Like, it is not worth it. Like, if you tell me, do all this stuff, become a Christian, follow all the stuff, and follow Jesus, and it'll be really hard, and at the end, you'll get some sort of crown. Eh, not worth it to me. I'm not doing that. I don't care if it fades. I don't wear crowns, okay? I wear baseball caps. Like, I don't, I don't do that. That's not worth it to me. But church, listen to me. We have dwindled down heaven into just receiving a bunch of material possessions, like we do in our American way. Listen, that is not the reward of heaven. The reward of heaven is an intimate, close, personal relationship with Jesus so that one day you will look him in the eye and he will look you in the eye and he will not only know your name, but he'll give you the name you always wished you had that you never had. And he will look at you and say, well done, enter in, I love you. And you will look in his face and you will look all of a sudden, everything we went through here on this earth will be worth it. And you will look at him and you go, I knew it. I knew it. I knew you were real. I knew you were alive. I knew you were worth it all. Man, Jesus is our reward. And that's what Paul is saying. He's saying, man, don't give up because there's a prize at the end of this thing. And his name is Jesus. He kind of ends this section and he says, man, let the mature think this way. 
right in verse 15, he says, if you're mature, think this way. And listen, Paul isn't lobbying for like, you know, if you're a mature Christian, like you've got it all together, like, you know, I'm like an awesome Christian, you know, like I've been following Jesus for forever. Listen, sometimes we do that in church and we start to make people feel like they're less than or this person is more than. But that word mature, Paul, all throughout this passage is using language that has to do with athletics and sports. Where are my sports fans at? Okay, we are a lame, boring church. Okay. No, no, I'm just kidding. We just have other hobbies. We knit and sew and things. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, but I, I, I love sports. And in fact, Zeke was asking me, my son was asking me this morning, Daddy, you're preaching in Philippians? I was like, yeah. And he was like, uh, what are you preaching on? I was like, buddy, actually, I'm preaching on sports. He goes, sports is in the Bible? And I'm like, yeah, buddy, it's going to be a good lunch for you, man. I'm going to tell you all about it. Actually, I'm not going to make them listen to the podcast, but it's so good. Um, so Paul is like that word mature literally means someone who has trained, someone who has worked their tail off, somebody who has pushed themselves, someone who has done the best that they could, and now they've reached the goal. That's what mature means. So listen, mature doesn't mean you have to go to seminary. Mature doesn't mean you have to know everything about the Bible. Mature doesn't mean that you have to have a lot of knowledge. In fact, I would tell you that a lot of times our knowledge of the Bible gets in the way of our maturity in Christ because we lean on our knowledge instead of our relationship. Maturity is taking that knowledge that you know about Jesus and putting it into action. That's what an athlete would do. An athlete would not sit there and read nutritional values and go, okay, I think I understand what to do, and then go down like a few Snickers bars, okay? Like, that's not what he would do or she would do. Instead, they would read it, and then they would implement it and do what it said. And guys, that's what maturity means in following Jesus. If you want to grow more mature in your relationship with Jesus, I'm going to tell you two things to do. Read this book. This is the Bible. You don't have to read mine. I'll get you one. Okay, don't take mine. But read the Bible. That's number one. Number two, do what it says. If you want to be a mature believer, it is simple. Read this and do what it says. And so I love that Paul is going, man, man, hold tight to what you have in Jesus. Don't worry about having it all together. Be mature because you are hearing the word and doing what it says. Don't give up. Well, guys, we're get, <laughs> Paul ends this part of his letter I told you there were two things I wanted to tell you in this section, and here's the second thing. The first thing was, remember, like, um, we have a goal to work towards. Like, don't give up because we're actually, we have a goal to work towards. Like, you may be here today, and maybe you're unemployed, or you're um, lonely, or you don't have community, and you feel like you have nothing to work towards. Like, I hope after hearing that, like, you know, like, Jesus, you have something to work towards. Like, he loves you, wants a relationship with you. Here's the second thing, okay? The second thing is don't give up because we have a savior to wait for. We have a savior to wait for. Read verse 17 with me. I'm just going to read verses 17 through 21. It says this. So brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. They glory in their shame. Their minds are set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. So I want to just share with you, obviously we say, man, we don't give up because we have a savior that we're waiting on. Like Jesus is coming back and we want to wait on him. But how do we do that? Like, how do we hold on? Like, if you're here today and go, Brandon, I want that. Like, I wish I was enthusiastic as you are about that. I just don't know how to get there. Paul lines out for us a few things that we can do. So I'm just going to go through some of these in the scriptures, okay? Um, so here's number one. Here, how do we hold on 
and not give up on Jesus. Number one, imitate those who are actually following Jesus. Man, I feel like sometimes in the church, we are comparing ourselves to people who aren't even like Jesus. We're going, man, I wish I was more like him, or I wish I was more like her, or I wish I had the stuff he had, or the stuff she had, and they're not even like close to Jesus. They just, maybe they put on a good show. Like we do that with celebrity Christians all the time, right? Where we're like, man, I heard them on YouTube. I watched them online. I I listened to their podcast. And you don't know anything about them. And then what happens is maybe they fall or they have an unfortunate moral failure, like something bad happens. And hundreds of thousands of people around the world are devastated, right? Because what happened was they were trying to imitate people who weren't even following Jesus. Listen to me. Imitate those who are actually following Jesus. Ask yourself the question, who in my church or who in my life has the closest relationship with Jesus that I know and go follow them around like a stalker? Okay? Not really. Not really, because that's weird, and I just feel like I should give a disclaimer. You shouldn't do that. but kind of. All right. Number two is what Paul says in that passage. How do we hold on and not give up? Number two, we should be aware of the enemies of the cross of Christ. Guys, beware that not everyone who says that they're a Christian is actually following Jesus. And so Paul talks a lot about these guys, right? Because he's like, listen, um, you guys should beware of some of these people, right? And, uh, and so we don't know who Paul is talking about for sure, but think about who are the enemies in Fredericksburg? Like, who are the enemies in Northern Virginia? And for some of us right now, we're like, yeah, who are they? Well, I want to write them down. Like, give me the names and social security numbers. Like, that's not, that's, I thought about some enemies of the gospel, some enemies of the cross for us in Fredericksburg. But these enemies may not be as outward, right? Enemies like our desire for more money. Enemies like never having enough wealth. Enemies like always having to have a new house or a bigger house or a better house. Enemies like never being satisfied at your job. Always wanting to move up the ranks. Always needing another title. Always wanting more. Having more degrees. Oh, if I get that master's, I'll be... I'll be really attractive in this market. Well, I got that. I don't like that market. So now I'm going to go back and get another master's. Well, now what I really need is a doctorate. Now I need 47 certs to be able to get this. And what we do is we have fallen in love with security. And I think security is one of the greatest enemies for us actually knowing Jesus. Because what it does is it puts, we put all of our weight on what we have done instead of leaning and put all, in our weight, all of our weight on what Jesus can do for us. No doubt there are false teachers in Northern Virginia. No doubt there are people who say they're speaking for Jesus who are really just trying to build a bigger castle in, in God's kingdom. They're not worried about the kingdom. They're worried about their castle. No doubt there are people who are living like the rest of the world, people who claim to be Christians, but you look at their life and they look just like the rest of the world and everyone else. Man, following Jesus is too hard to call yourself a follower of Jesus and then act like the rest of the world. Like, go all in to following Jesus. Here's the third thing. How do we do this? How do we hold on to Jesus? Number three, consider at the beginning what you want at the end. Here's what I mean by that. Paul talks about like, what is coming. And he talks about our future and he says, man, this is coming. Like Jesus is coming back. So live this way now, right? It's kind of like um, our kids. Like if I tell them, you guys better have this living room clean by the time mom gets home. Okay. Because if not, mom's going to be really upset and punish you. I'm not because I'm the cool dad. But mom is going to be, I'm just kidding. I would never do that. But, but we tell them, right? Because they know mom is coming, And because they know the consequences of mom coming, they are now, that is now affecting what they're doing now. Mom's not here yet, but they know they've got a job to do now to get ready for mom to come. Well, guys, that's very similar to how we, how we should be following Jesus. Jesus has not come back yet, but Christians, we believe that Jesus is coming back. 
And so how does that affect the way we live today? So put into the beginning what you want at the end. If you want to be close to Jesus when he comes back, then start being close to Jesus today. You see how that works? Paul talks about, man, the future for those who don't follow Jesus. He says their end is destruction. Their appetites dictate their lives. He says their stomach is their gods, but what he's meaning is they never get enough. They're just never satisfied. They're always taking things of the world, and it always leaves them empty. And maybe that's some of us here today. It says they brag about things they should be ashamed of, and all of their attention is on the earth, the world, and not on Jesus. So if you want a future like when Jesus is coming back, then start living that way today. Here's uh, the fourth thing. This is our, our last thing. Number four is we cling to hope. We cling to hope. How do we hold on to Jesus? Well, we cling to the hope of Jesus. And worship team, you guys can go ahead and come up, but we're not done yet, so don't put your stuff away. See, guys, here's what our hope is. And I just want you to hear me say this. And I'm not going to yell anymore. I'm going to try to calm down and not be so excited, okay? I just want you to hear me say very, very clearly, very steadily, listen to me. We believe Jesus really is coming back. Like we believe Jesus really is coming back. That we really are waiting for a Savior. But listen, when I grew up in church, I went to this small in the sticks, in the middle of the woods. You had to get directions from the local beaver to get to the, the church, uh, Baptist church. And a lot of times, they would have these special Sundays. They'd bring in preachers. They'd yell at you. And they would say things like, Jesus is coming back. But let me tell you something. That didn't give me hope. It gave me a lot of fear. Because especially when I was a kid, because I was told when Jesus comes back, it ain't going to be pretty. But then I did something really crazy. I started reading the Bible for myself. And here's what I discovered. They were halfway right. Jesus is coming back. But for those who follow Jesus, it is not a scary activity. See, for those who follow Jesus, what's going to happen is when Jesus comes back, he is going to make all things new. Jesus, when he comes back, is going to make all things new. And this is why Paul says, listen, your citizenship isn't in the world. You are not citizens of the world. And let's be honest, after an election week, aren't you glad? Like, it doesn't matter what party you affiliate with or any party or if you've even watched the news in the last three years. I think we can all appreciate that we have a citizenship that is higher than the things of this earth. Now listen, that's not to say you shouldn't be proud to be a citizen of the United States. That's fine. That's, that's well and good. But guys, it gets better than that. Like, it gets better than that. Like, if you think that's really good, it is, but it's even better. It gets better for Jesus followers because you get to be a citizen of heaven. Like, that's amazing. Like, that's better than being a citizen of Virginia. It's better than being a citizen of Fredericksburg. It's definitely better than being a citizen of Maryland. Like, it's better... Because you get to be a citizen of heaven. And one day, Paul says, we will all get new bodies. And you say, well, Brandon, I don't know. I kind of like the body that I have. I go, that's great. Like, you should. God gave it to you. It's a good gift. But it gets even better. One day, God's going to give you a new and glorious body. Do you know why? Because what we see in Revelation is that one day Jesus is going to come back. He's going to make all things new. You know what that means for your new body? That means no more cancer. Isn't that awesome? That means no more sickness. It means no more ER visits. No more panic attacks in the middle of the night. It means no more depression means no more chemical imbalances in our brain. But church, listen, it means no more death. Death will be no more. And listen, this isn't a blind hope that you go, Brandon, that sounds good, but how do we know? Because at the end, it says to Jesus, who enables, who is able to do this. 
Guys, we are waiting for a Savior, not one who's going to come and give us teachings of the Bible, but one who is going to come and put action to what he's already taught us, who is going to make things new. You know why? Because he's able to. He can. Like, he can do in your life what nobody else is able to do because he has the power to do that. And we know he has the power because Jesus has risen from the dead. He is alive. If he was still dead, I'll be honest with you, after 2,000 years, probably not coming back, all right? But three days was all the grave could hold him. And he, he stayed in the grave just long enough so everyone knew he was dead. And then he walked out of the grave to prove his power over sin, over disobedience to God, and over death itself. You can trust Jesus today. Hold on to him. Don't let him go. Don't give up on Jesus. I told you all of this today because I desperately, desperately don't want you to give up. I don't want you to get bombarded or distracted by the things of this world. I want you to know it gets better. It gets better in Jesus. So two questions today. What is the goal you are working towards? It's not bad to have goals. It's not bad to say, you know, I want to meet these financial goals or get out of debt or I want to, you know, own a home. Those aren't bad goals. They're not ultimate goals. So are the goals you're working towards worthy of what Jesus died for? Are the goals you're working towards worthy of what Jesus died for? If not, ask Jesus for some worthy goals for your life today. So that you got something to wake up and do that is bigger than your castle. It has to do with the kingdom of God. And my second question is, what are you waiting for? Maybe a better question is, who are you waiting for? Maybe you're waiting for that perfect community to come into your life. Not, not going to happen. Maybe you're waiting for the, to find the perfect church. Gosh, don't, don't hang out here for too long. <laughs> maybe, maybe you're waiting for the perfect spouse. Maybe you're waiting for the perfect relationship to, to be in, to date. Maybe you're waiting for the perfect career. Guys, don't do that. Wait for the perfect Savior. And let everything you do dictate your waiting on Jesus. Hi, Pastor Brandon here. Thanks again for listening to our Impact Church Sermon Podcast. If God has spoken to you today or you have a prayer request you'd like to share, please email us at hello at impactfxbg.church. If you're local to the Fredericksburg area, we would love to see you for worship in person. But if not, please let us know if we can help you find a gospel-centered church right where you're at. Feel free to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram and on our website, www.impactfxbg.church. Until next time, keep living the dream.